ours and their own. Some tried to starve themselves, lost three this morning, leaped with crazy laughter to the waiting sharps, sang as they went under. The poem continues to talk about the tragedies and the horrors of the Middle Passage, that period of time in which Africans were extracted from the African continent and brought to the shores of the West Indies and North America, and that period of time and the process of all that went on. And there is a theme in the construct of this entire poem that there was rarely, if ever, a time in which those who were being exported as cargo or black gold ever just said to themselves, we're on a cruise. This was not a cruise ship. It was not a pleasant experience. And at no point do we gather that they perceived it to be okay to be in the situation and the circumstance that they were in. I had the privilege of my first pastorate uh, was in Brunswick, Georgia, which is right on the coast of Georgia. And one of the barrier islands to Brunswick, Georgia was called St. Simon's Island. And there is a story in the annals of St. Simon Island of what happened to a group of slaves who had been, a group of people who had been enslaved. I, I, I'm, I'm working to um, elevate my language pattern so that I will not just call them slaves as if that is what they were. They were people who were being enslaved. And the people who were being enslaved after a period of time banded together and said to themselves, this just is not working for us. The story is told of a night in which there was a full moon and a group of those people who had been enslaved said to themselves, this is not working for us. And instead of being here and staying here, we will walk back out into the Atlantic Ocean and let whatever happens happen. And so they gathered together in chains and fetters and everything that they had, and they walked into the Atlantic Ocean. And it is said that on certain nights in dark and, 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 and cloud-filled nights in which there are foggy nights, there are times in which you can be on St. Simon Island and you can still kind of hear the moans of those who had been enslaved as they decided to walk back out into the Atlantic Ocean. And it is clear to me that what they said and what they were saying is death is better than bondage. They were saying that the 
nexus and the genesis of the song that our ancestors sang, before I be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. This was a real feeling that they had. It was a beyond just an emotion. It was an experience. And it is clear that in hearing that and understanding that, that there was something innate within them, and I believe it is also innate within us, that will drive us to fight for freedom. I believe that it is clear that freedom is clearly the intent of the divine creator in the creation of all of humanity. I believe that we were born to be free. And it is only the evil machinations of the minds of others that would choose to believe that it is a right thing to enslave another human individual. It is only the depravity of the mind, only the brokenness of an individual who is not secure in who they are as they are that would cause them to feel the need to oppress another individual. Why would I say that? I believe that it is true and psychologists have affirmed that hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And you think about the times that you may have been hurt by someone in your life. And think about asking yourself, what was the mental health of that individual? Now, I know that you're mad because they hurt you. And I know that you're in pain because of the pain that they inflicted upon you. But oftentimes, we forget to acknowledge that maybe if I take a step back and look at what's going on in their life. It does not excuse their bad behavior, but it does explain their bad behavior. You can be able to say, you know what? Maybe they were just doing all they knew how to do. I, I, I had a, a friend that I grew up in college with, and, and, and I believe it is abusive. I, I absolutely believe it is abusive if you are a parent who smokes to um, put your cigarette out on your child because that child may have been misbehaving. That, that just does not seem like a right thing. Now, you might have had the best of intentions. I want to discipline my child. I want my child to follow instructions. I want my child to do what I want my child to do. But there are ways that are right and proper. But if you had been abused as a child or treated a certain way as a child, which psychologists would say is abuse, then you are generally going to do that same thing to your children. It is why the rate of abuse is higher among children of children who have been, who are parents who have been abused. It just makes sense. And if you think about it, it's also true of alcoholism. If you happen to be a part, a parent who was an alcoholic, the chances are greater that you too will 
maybe become an alcoholic. It just happens. It's a one in 10 chance. Every 10%, one out of 10, every 10 people that you meet is an alcoholic. They just are. I mean, I know right now, I don't want to call it that, but probably I got about two or three alcoholics in the room right now. Um, just statistically speaking, I'm not saying, I'm not calling anybody out. I, I just know what the statistics would guide and tell me. I'm, I'm simply creating and sharing with you the backdrop of what it is that Jesus would come and to the world and quote this scripture in the gospel of Luke in four, Luke 4.18 when he connects with this scripture from Isaiah 61 and says the spirit of the Lord is upon me to set the captives free. Now, understanding freedom in Christ and understanding the role that Christ plays is to understand that freedom is a central construct of humanity. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. For the sake of freedom itself, Christ has set us free so that we might be able to experience freedom. We have been set free. Stand free. Firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Death is better than bondage. Stand firm then. Do not let yourself, do not allow it. Do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. John 8, 36 lets us know why. It says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. It, when the Son sets you free, the S-O-N, not the S-U-N, but when, when the S-O-N, the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The, the essence of freedom will rise up and exist within you because you have been set free not to become in bondage again. It's therefore, it is innate in the divine construct from the very beginning that we would be free. First Peter, the second chapter and verse 16 says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. So if it is that we are ever to be in bondage again, it is only to be in bondage to the divine creator. And that may seem like a slave of Christ or a slave of God, but a slave of God is what? Totally free. Because it's a God who set you free. So what it ultimately says is I am so committed to the one who set me free that I will not deviate from the paths and the plans that the freedom giver desires for me. And then Jeremiah will talk about, for I know the plans I have for you. So in Jeremiah 29, it says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. So here it is, the divine creator who comes to give freedom to those who may have allowed themselves or found themselves in bondage is now saying, because the plans I have for you are, are prosperity. 
and, and the prosperity that the divine has for us is not necessarily the prosperity of having more money. Not always. I mean, why, why would we reduce the giver of every good and perfect gift to a sense of currency that only works in this time-space continuum? God, who is the giver, does not need your money. Now, I'm, not, I'm in no way suggesting that next Sunday you, you say, well, you know, this is how I'm going to tithe. Lord, I'm going to take my $15, my $50, my $100, and this is what's going to happen. I'm going to take this $100 bill, Lord. I'm going to throw it up in the air. If you want it, you can keep it, but if it comes back down, it meant for me. <laughs> that, that's just not how it works. Just what I just wanted to, that is a slight aside. That the, the freedom giver is not just trying to make you rich in money. The freedom giver is actually trying to set you free from the trappings that might exist within money. For scripture teaches that it is the love of money. Understand, I am no way, it is the love of money that is the root of all evil. Money is not evil. Money itself is not the root of all evil. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. Why? Because you shall love the Lord your God who is a jealous God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So if you love in the dollar bill, then you have a, a, a twisted kind of love affair. God, you, you my weekend lover, but I need, to, I need to do this thing on the week because I got to make my money because my money is more important than my meaning. And that's why there was good news for the poor. You see, the, the good news for the poor is you might just be broke. <laughs> you might not be poor. You might be broke. And now I come to bless you. To bless you because if one is not at peace in the skin that they're in, they will not be at peace anywhere else. If you're not at peace with yourself, with what you have in your wallet right now, why, how are you going to be at peace with more in your wallet? Because we are judged and based not on our bank account, but on our thank account. And the way it works is the more grateful you are for what you have, the more you are open and able to receive the more of what God has for you. But if you keep hoarding your nickels, thinking like, well, God, I don't want to go broke, God, because, you know, I, I know what it's like to be broke and I don't ever want to be broke again. God said, well, it, do you have it because I gave it to you? Had I not given it to you, what would you have? What would you be doing if I didn't give you the energy to wake up in the morning? What would you be doing if I did not bless you with the mind, the intellect, or the skill to go out and make that money? What would you have done if I did not do something for you first? So I'm not asking for too much. I'm just asking for a dime for every dollar. That you would have had zero if I didn't bless you. So can I get a dime? Can, can, a, brother, can, can a brother get a dime? That, that's what the divine is asking for us. There is a quote by Harriet Tubman. Um, it is attributed to Harriet Tubman, cannot be fact-founded, so we're not exactly sure if she said it or if she didn't, but it is definitely a legitimate quote that seems to work well in what I'm saying today and what I believe um, is a reality. It says that Harriet Tubman says, I freed hundreds of slaves but I could have freed hundreds more 
if they only knew they were slaves. I, I freed hundreds, but I could have freed hundreds more. Imagine what it is like to understand that the chance for freedom is in your midst, but yet you choose bondage. Now you say, well, that don't make no sense, uh, Pastor Cooper. Who would choose bondage? Well, if you have allowed yourself to be enslaved for a long enough period of time, you begin to take on the mental aspects of that which has been thrust and thrown upon you. We call it PTSD, post-traumatic slavery disorder. It is a DSM now, a DSM-4, a legitimate psychological diagnosis of those who have been on the end of oppression by others, post-traumatic slavery disorder. It is something that writers are now believing that many African Americans who happen to have been the survivors of the Middle Passage, happen to be the survivors of Jim Crow, happen to be the survivors of, of, of lynchings and the survivors of um, bad legislation against us, the survivors of all of that, the process of survival takes uh, its toll on us mentally, emotionally, and psychologically. If you have allowed yourself or been in that situation, I believe you may know what I am talking about. If you have worked in corporate America, you know what I am talking about. If you have ever had a white boss, you know what I am talking about. Oh, oh, you, 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 and when you're in the break room, with some of the other people, it's like, hey, man, what's happening? It's all good. Yeah, dog. But when you get into the boardroom, it's, oh, yes, sir, I'm wonderful. It's great. <laughs> Bobby, how you doing? Ah, oh, Jim, I'm doing, uh, Mr. Jim. <laughs> Mr. Jim, I'm doing fine. So grateful to have this employment. Now, you get back out in, in, back out in the back room and say, man, you know that man, the man brought me in today. I thought you were about to let me go. I'm simply saying that the psychosis of what it means to have to make yourself bilingual just so you can fit in in the group because the group is now giving you something for what you are doing and it's generally, if not always, less than what you're worth and earn. But having to walk in both of those worlds has its effects. Thus, death is better than bondage because bondage leads ultimately to death. What, what happens? You, you've been in an abusive relationship. And every day that a person is in a, an abusive relationship, a part of them dies. Every day that a woman or a man who is in a relationship in which the man or the other person of dominance seeks to dominate through physical force, through emotional force, through psychological uh, warfare, every day that a person allows themselves to live in that situation is one less day that they will be alive and a part of them dies every day because they recognize that I'm not being myself. And for whatever reason, a person stays in a, an abusive relationship, I am working to recognize you cannot blame the victim for being victimized. It is not, the, it, the, the, the victim is not the one raising their hand. 
The victim is not the one telling them, oh, you ain't going to leave me because you ain't got nobody to go to. You ain't got nowhere to go. So I can say or do whatever I want to do. They can be verbally abusive because they are just that way. But it's not the victim's fault. The only thing that I say to those who have been victimized is there comes a day when it needs to be the last day. There comes a day when you once say, I am who God says I am, and I am not who you call me. I am not what you call me. I'm not a bee. I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a hoe. I am who God called me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of the divine creator. Therefore, you do not have any power over me. Your negativity, your negative words, and if you shoot me, I'd rather be dead than keep living here. Death is better than bondage, types of bondage. There's physical bondage, just having being bound up. There's psycho-emotional bondage that, that I can't move out of my feelings. Every day I'm overcome by my feelings, and therefore I just can't even operate within the world. There's spiritual bondage, a bond to an evil concept, an evil construct that the devil has lied to you and made you believe something that just wasn't true. The devil could not create anything. You've heard me say it before. The devil can't create. All he can do is just manipulate. And he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. To steal. You can't steal what's yours unless you're O.J. Simpson. Uh, <laughs> apparently, that man went to jail for stealing what was his. I, <laughs> the enemy comes to steal, to kill, a life that he did not give to destroy that which exists. He did not create any of this thing. All the enemy creates is mayhem. But, you, but when we understand what the enemy is doing, walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, we can say, oh, no, not me today. Before I be a slave in that bondage, I'll be buried in my grave. I am going to fight with every inch and ounce of my being to no longer accept that negativity that's out there in the world. And it is Jesus who comes to give us the power to fight. It is our relationship with Jesus. When you understand that I am better than that, I don't have to submit myself to that. But all I share with you before we become too cocky and arrogant in our defiance, we do need to understand that situations come when you choose to set yourself on a path for freedom that everybody's not going to be happy with your path. The moment you start declaring who you are and whose you are, somebody's going to try to remind you of who you used to be. Oh, you are, come on, you, you, come on, come on, come on, slim chick, slim, 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 slim trick. Oh, you are a slim trick. You've been slim trick since the day we were kicking it, throwing marbles and, and doing the things that we used to do when we used to go to the club and getting everybody in the club getting tipsy, everybody in the club. I mean, we're back in the day. That's all you were. And now here you are trying to be a deacon. Here you are trying to be an elder. Here you are called, saying, God called you to preach. Man, come on with that. You start declaring who God made you, but somebody's going to try to pull you back into who you used to be. Here's real. Here's real. If you happen to slip, 
get back up again. I'm not saying that we are totally detached from the people that we have always been. In fact, we're standing on the legs of ourselves that have been who we were. You're not a different person. You have just heck on a different attitude. You see, and changing your name ain't no problem in changing your name. God's done that. Abram became Abraham. Saul became Paul. And I became Hollywood Cooperstar. No. <laughs> That's what they called me in high school, believe it or not. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you, you change your name to adjust your new attitude, your new understanding of the world. But you are free to do that because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. The most, one of the most poignant lines that Killmonger said in the movie Black Panther is when given the chance, he says, death is better than bondage. Live free. God sets you free to experience the freedom of what it means to no longer live in worry, to no longer live in fear, to no longer live tethered to the past, to recognize that yesterday is gone and no matter how bad it was, you, don't, you cannot unlive the past, but if you learn from it, you don't have to relive the past. So we move on to be who God is calling us to be, liberated believers whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I want to know, do I have any free people in here today? Any people who are declaring their freedom, freedom from bondage, freedom from your freedom from bad debt, and freedom from all kinds of the past things. Freedom. Is there any free people in the room today? If you are free, I need you just to say, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Free me, Lord, to be me, Lord. Oh, that oh, you, oh my goodness. Free me to be me. That's freeing me to be me, to be me. I mean, oh, if you knew sometimes the energies that I have, that sometimes just by nature we contain them. I just want to be kinetic. I want to just be all in, just, oh, God. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live, I live. To worship you. You have been listening to a broadcast of Live Big Ministries, a ministry of Hollywood Presbyterian Church located 2840 Hollywood Avenue in Shreveport, Louisiana. If you're interested in supporting this ministry, we encourage you to go to livebigministries.com or follow us on Facebook. From now on, live in victory every day, believing in God.
what's up? This is Michael Tate with the story of another real-life Jesus freak. It's 1890, China. Chang, a thief and a womanizer, had gone blind. But when his eyesight is partially restored at the mission hospital, he gratefully accepts Jesus as his savior. A missionary testing Chang to make sure his conversion is genuine and not just emotional gives him a challenge. Go and tell your neighbors how you have changed. When I visit, if you are still following Jesus, I will baptize you. Five months later, the missionary is astonished to see 400 others waiting with Chang to be baptized. In the years to follow, Chang would lead thousands to salvation before he is beheaded, a martyr for the gospel of Christ. Will you stand with the voice of the martyrs? Go online to persecution.com.